Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumb Cast. In this, the high noon of season five, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every goddamn page of MT2, the Weird Weird West, the second in a trio of time travel adventures for TSR's Marvel Superheroes RPG. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Weird Weird West was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 58 of the Weird Weird West. We're in the Western Heroes section, and today we're discussing, uh, he's not really a Western hero, but Red Wolf. He's a member of the Rangers, which is kind of a Western team. Uh, He's a member of the Cheyenne tribe, and maybe the author felt like it wouldn't be a Western story without some native characters whose portrayal is going to age very poorly. But anyway, here he is, Red Wolf. We talked last time about how he's technically a superhero, but he's basically a guy with a stick, a tomahawk, and a pet wolf who may or may not actually be a scroll. Mechanically, he's definitely unimpressive. His one really good useful power for this adventure, the ability to sprint for 10 miles, was conspicuously left out of his stat block. And just overall, he doesn't have a whole lot going on. In light of how underwhelming he is as a superhero, allow me to read you the following blatant lie. This lie occurs on page 58, but the context, the history section, starts back on page 57. So I'll start there, but this runs right on to page 58. Quote, Among the Cheyenne Indians of the American Plains is the widespread belief in Owayodata, the wolf spirit. I believe Owayodata to be a completely fictional entity, maybe adapted from some Cheyenne belief as understood by some Marvel Comics writer somewhere. I think maybe Roy Thomas. So I apologize if I'm treading at all closely to any actual spiritual beliefs. I believe this all to be bullshit, but correct me if I'm wrong. Quote, this spirit, one of the Native American gods, is an entity on the order of the Asgardians or Olympians, but generally chooses to imbue his essence and attributes within a human host, rather than to physically materialize on the earthly plane. This is the outrageous lie, and this is the dumbest thing on this page. Owayodata is not like an Asgardian or an Olympian, not in the ways that count for a superhero comic, and this is frustratingly common among native superheroes who have some kind of like half-understood-by-white-writers spiritual background. Let let me give you the basics of Red Wolf first, and then we'll talk about it. So, basically, within the fiction, Red Wolf is like the champion of the Cheyenne people. From time to time, across the generations, Owayodata is going to choose a member of the Cheyenne tribe to be the new Red Wolf. They take on the mantle, and they defend the people. We don't know how long this has been going on. There was an Old West Red Wolf. Quote, The first Red Wolf about whom there are historical details is the young, full-blooded Cheyenne who, after his tribesmen were massacred by the U.S. Army Cavalry, was raised by a kindly white couple who named him Johnny Wakely. Wakely became an orphan again when Indians slaughtered his foster parents. So his origin can be summarized as both sides. Quote, Pursued by renegade members of his own tribe, Wakely stumbled into a spot where the ceremonial garb of the Red Wolf was buried. There he was visited by the spirit, Owayodata, bidden to don the ceremonial garb and given the totem of power which should definitely be in quotation marks, the coup stick, Wakely became the latest incarnation of the Red Wolf. A wolf, Lobo, joined him at the burial place. As the Red Wolf, Wakely used the great skills and prowess he had acquired from Awayodata to try to bring peace between the white and red peoples. I apologize. for Okay, for the red thing, but also for all of this. His origin is that the bastard U.S. military killed his tribe, but also he was raised by nice white people, and they were killed by mean Native Americans. So, as you can see, aren't we all just people trying to get by? The wolf spirit of the Cheyenne sure thinks so, because he empowered his champion, Red Wolf, to represent the Cheyenne people 
in attempting to just like cool things down between white people and the Cheyenne. Maybe suggested the wolf spirit, defender of the Cheyenne people. Let's agree to disagree about who lives here, who committed what apocalyptic atrocities upon whom. Why don't we all just make like wolves and let others get away with doing whatever the fuck they want in our territory? So that was Red Wolf number one. Then, fast forward to the late 20th century, quote, another man assumed the mantle of Red Wolf. Will Talltrees, the son of Thomas Talltrees, one of the Cheyenne tribal leaders, grew up on a reservation, hearing tales of the Red Wolf from the spiritual leaders of the tribe. Reaching adulthood, Talltrees left to enlist in the U.S. Army, and after serving his time, he became a construction worker in New York City. It's not exactly clear to me why you would leave Phoenix to go to Vietnam and then move directly to New York from Vietnam to work in construction. There is some explanation for why he doesn't go back to Phoenix. Uh, It's a pretty grim story that I want to get into right now, but suffice it to say, it has become part of this character's backstory that he did or permitted to be done something in Vietnam that kind of shook his confidence and destroyed him as a person and made him ashamed to go home. But like, there's such a place as Tucson. I don't know. It seems like a big jump. Anyway, when he went back to visit home, there was an evil businessman threatening his dad. His dad wouldn't capitulate. The evil businessman killed the whole tall tree's family, except for William. And in grief and anger, William went to go do this like Red Wolf related ritual that he had seen as a child. Awayodata visited him and Will was like, where's this fucking champion of the Cheyenne people that I keep hearing about? And Awayodata is like, hey, you want the job? It's yours. Here's a stick. Go fix everything. Then William was attacked by a female wolf. And he's like, what the fuck? Why would a wolf do this just out of nowhere? Well, I better kill her with a tomahawk. So he did. And then he saw a wolf cub. And he's like, oh, I get it. The wolf god wanted me to have a wolf cub. So he sent a protective female wolf here who would be aggressive toward me because I was too near to her baby so that I could kill the mom and take the baby. As the defender of wolves and the Cheyenne people, Oyodata is just doing a fucking bang up job. Absolutely nailing it. So with kind of the powers, at least definitely the stick of the wolf god, Red Wolf once again leaves his ancestral home and travels to New York, which is the ancestral home of evil businessmen, and starts tracking down the people who killed his family. That's when he meets Vision, and Vision is like, hmm, I'm not so sure about this situation that doesn't involve me. I guess I better materialize my arm in this guy's chest, just in case, then drag him back to the HQ, and the Avengers can decide what's right and wrong. Caucasians assemble! There is judgment to be passed! And then some of the Avengers decided to help him with this thing after all. And, you know, it ended like these stories are always going to end. Where it's like, wow, what nobility. When this hero of his tribe, which has suffered so much injustice, had the chance to exact vengeance. Not just on United States society in general, but specifically on the individual people who just killed his family. He decided to do the right thing and let us get away with it. Godspeed, Red Wolf. We'll see you again the next time we want to feel guilty in an inspirational way. The key thing I want you to take away from this story is that Owayodata sucks. Owayodata is bad at his job, and Owayodata, who allegedly is on the level of, like, Asgardians and Olympians, endowed his champion with a stick and a fucking stolen baby wolf. Meanwhile, Donald Blake, blonde family doctor from New York City, goes into a random cave, sees this ancient hammer that says, whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. And he's like, worthy? Look at this complexion. Are you kidding me? He lifts it up, and he gets the power of Thor. He's imbued with the power of the traditional god of his people, and he becomes like one of the most cosmically powerful superheroes in the Marvel Universe. I literally don't have time in this episode to run down all of the amazing powers of Thor. 
I'm sure that you, the listener, know many of them. I know what kind of person you are. Please hold all those powers of Thor in mind and compare them to the deal that William Talltree's got. Here's a stick, that's standard carry. You can also have a tomahawk, but you have to provide it yourself. And you can have that baby wolf if you want, but you have to kill its mom first. Furthermore, I grant you the power of really good but not great eyesight. You can run as fast as, like, a long-time subscriber to running magazines. A person whose personality is overly defined by marathons they've been in. You can run like that. And also for a long distance, like 10 miles. If there's something 10 miles away, you can just run there at full speed. This was a better deal before there were cars. Oyodata has not updated the compensation package in a little while. And this is not an isolated case. The dumbest thing on this page is that Oyodata sucks. Red Wolf sucks. First of all, just because the whole idea is bad. But also because the powers that Red Wolf got from Oyodata are garbage. And this is almost uniformly true of every native character Marvel has who gets their powers, wholly or in part, from their very spiritual, very mystical Native American background. There's one exception, uh, Black Crow. It's a very minor character, but he gets pretty significant magical powers from like an Earth Mother deity of some kind. There's a question mark on this. There's like an asterisk because some of his powers are definitely illusions that he casts. And it's never really clear which ones are illusions and which ones aren't. So it's possible we've got a Dr. Danger situation here where, like, the Earth Mother, alike in stinginess to Oyodata, just gave Black Crow, like, ventriloquism skills and some magnets, and maybe he's been faking a lot of things. But he definitely has some magical powers. And the most obvious reading is that many of them are authentic and quite powerful. It's all downhill from there. Uh, There's a character named Nightfire. Uh, He was uh, an associate of... Damien Hellstrom, the son of Satan, for some time. Nightfire was doing like one of the spiritual practices of his people, training to be a shaman, but then this loser wizard called like the Possessor or something showed up and was like, hey, it's it's me, one of the spirits of your people. And this dumb motherfucker's like, I don't have any questions. Get into my body, new friend. And so he had his whole body and his magic co-opted by evil devil forces and like it fucked up his whole tribe. And then finally he did break free of his mental domination because his mentor, who had been killed by said loser wizard, put his spirit into Damien Hellstrom's devil fork or something and then came out later and like got into Nightfire's brain and helped him break the mind control. But then once Nightfire escaped the mind control and turned on the loser wizard, uh, then afterward he was just like, well, I'm still a devil guy don't really feel like a dude again. I still feel like a like a devil guy and still have devil powers. So net result, the faith and powers and magic of his people got him out of like one fifth of the trouble they got him into. And now he's a crappy half demon sidekick to Damien Hellstrom. Uh, Forge. Forge, a well-known native character in Marvel Comics, a mutant who has mutant powers of invention, but he also has some magical powers from his people's spiritual traditions. He has a mentor, uh, Naze, I think is how it's pronounced. And Forge, for whatever reason, is like the destined member of his tribe to fight this spiritual creature called the Adversary. So Naze, who is like a shaman of the tribe, taught Forge some magical powers to maybe help fight the Adversary someday. But then when Forge was in the military, he got into a bad situation. He got real angry. He cast the spell he'd been taught, but it backfired and it released a bunch of demons into the world, which Forge then eventually had to clean up. And then finally, because shit wasn't working against the Adversary, he had an inspirational moment when he was like, wait a minute. I've been trying to choose my whole life between spirituality and and magic and science like my mutant powers give me. Mutant powers are totally not magic, different things. Like my friend Storm, the one who was worshipped as a goddess because she commands the weather. Those are mutant powers, totally different from magic. I've been trying to choose between science and magic all my life, but what I really need is a combination of the two. 
I'm the chosen one because I can combine our people's religion with outside technological Western influences, and that will give me the power to finally get the fucking job done. At last, I've defeated our people's ancient enemy, and there are no unfortunate implications. Then we got Puma. Puma, another native hero. He was produced by 10 generations of genetic engineering, like selective... Basically, it's like a 10-generation eugenics project to create a champion of his tribe who was destined to defeat the Beyonder, who is like an, a virtually all-powerful cosmic being who one time abducted Earth's mightiest heroes and villains to force them into a set-piece battle of good and evil so he could observe them. And then a few years later, he uh, came down to Earth and got a perm and fucked around for a long time, just kind of just kind of goofing off. I seem to remember he liked hot dogs a lot. Anyway, so Puma was destined to defeat the all-powerful Beyonder, but then he had this talk with Spider-Man, and Spider-Man was like, are you sure? I don't know if you can really take the Beyonder, and Puma was like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. So he lacked confidence when he fought the Beyonder, and it didn't work. So he kind of whiffed his destiny. He he was in a state of harmonious enlightenment that maybe would have allowed him to defeat the Beyonder, but yeah, he kind of got cold feet. So 10 generations down the drain, but he's also rich, and he did buy the Daily Bugle, uh, so he could start writing nice stories about Spider-Man. So that's great. Uh, Thunderbird uh, was a member of the X-Men, most famous for dying basically right away as soon as that team was assembled. Despite being named Thunderbird, he very rarely did any kind of spiritual stuff. He's pretty much just a mutant, which is to the better. The, the most successful native characters are those who do not try to have like authentic, mystical, tribal backgrounds. Like It's one thing if you're a creator from that tribe, but if you're not native, nothing wrong with like mutant lightning powers or whatever. It's fine. Native characters are allowed to have non-ethnically based powers. Anyway, Thunderbirds, I only mentioned because of his name and because one time he did manage to successfully call on Thunderbird. It was after he had died twice. So once again, this character's spirit patron somewhat lacks in coming to the rescue. Thunderbird died, then he came back, then he died again. And then finally, as like a team of dead heroes fighting this spirit called Carrion Crow or something as part of a big crossover event, he finally managed to call on the power of Thunderbird and solve the problem, but the problem was another spirit from his tradition that was fucking things up. So two deaths into his life, he finally achieved the spiritual equivalent of getting his bank account back up to zero. There was a character called Red Warrior, for real, who one time managed to make it rain. Uh, there's a character called Warpath, related to Thunderbird, who was initially mutant and eventually got some like shamanic powers, but they didn't activate until Ghost Rider, again with the devils, was like, hold on, let me just flip your magic switch. I see you've got a lot of ethnically flavored potential, but in terms of the raw power, let me just uh, get my devil hands in here and fix some of your loose connections. There you go. Off you go to fight evil, which by the way was Demon Bear, another spiritual menace caused by native magical shenanigans in the first place. So for this page, the dumbest thing is that Awayodata, who supposedly is on the level of like the Asgardians and the Olympians, he joins a long list of Native American spiritual and religious and magical practices in Marvel Comics that are absolute garbage in multiple ways compared to similar powers provided by gods and spirits who like to hang out with white people. I do want to point out, I have said Native American a few times here, partly because I want to distinguish between the indigenous peoples originally from within the borders of the United States versus like First Nations people from groups originating on land that's now within the borders of Canada. For whatever reason, as soon as you cross the border to Canada in the Marvel Universe, Native supernatural stuff is just fucking phenomenal. I don't know why that is, but it's no use to the Cheyenne and the Cherokee and so on. Down here on the southern side of the border, getting absolutely screwed by Marvel continuity in the spirits and magic department. 
I know that some native creator somewhere is the perfect choice to fix this problem with the Marvel Universe and instill some respect for native traditions, whether that means using them or not. But that's not me. It's clearly not the people who wrote Red Wolf. And for that reason, while I complained about the implementation of his powers and I complained about his weak sauce patron deity, really the problem here is what is this guy doing in a Western adventure to begin with? This is not the old West Red Wolf. This is the modern day Red Wolf who has nothing to do with an old West story except being from Arizona and ticking the genre convention box by having a native person in the story. And if you wanted to do that, I'm not trying to argue against representation here. You got a couple of other very strong choices. There are two much more prominent, powerful, and interesting Cheyenne characters in Marvel Comics, Danny Moonstar and Forge. They're both way better and more popular and more interesting and less offensive. And as a bonus, they have useful powers instead of a stick. Join me next time as the parade of characters I don't want to talk about continues with the character whose stat block is so inaccurate that she might not even exist. And I honestly couldn't care less on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's theme music, used under Creative Commons license, is Western Firefight 2 by Kula, whose work you can find at Kula.com. That's C-U-L-L-A-H dot com. Thanks for listening.